Roses are red, violets are blue. If I found an antique ring, I'd give it to an auctioneer and make a fortune out of it. This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a cool but sunny England. Should I say anything on the programme that strikes a chord, interests you, or heaven help me, causes you to choke on your alpine muesli, please let me know. As always, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Yes, indeed, the story of the day. But before I move on to the story of antique rings and their relationship with love and its expression... The chat room is buzzing already, I'm glad to say. And uh, Jacqueline has pointed out it is happy feast of St. Raphael. It is indeed St. Raphael's feast day today. I love the feast days of the Archangels. I just, I love the sense that we are being watched over. And uh, my director of studies when I was a student was called, who was Raph Line. That was his name, Dr. Raph Line. And he really was a bit of a guardian angel to us during that difficult first year. Denise M, good morning. It's National Food Day and National Bologna Day. So is this proof that Bologna isn't real food? I have no idea what Bologna is. I gather just reading quickly about it that it's got something to do with what might be called bologna over here. Um, it looks like it is not real food. I think I think we've probably sussed that one straight away. But it's National Food Day so we can talk about food. And this is always a wonderful thing to talk about. Uh, good morning, Maggie. And this is how I spent the better part of my day yesterday. Lemon trees? Lemons! Harv no, satsumas! Harvesting satsumas. I can't imagine being able to do that. These satsumas are things that arrive in little string bags in the supermarket. There they are. That's just wonderful. What do you do with them all? Uh, Maggie saying, I harvested two large rubber-made containers and three large coolers. And I still have hundreds on the tree. I juiced for hours yesterday, too. I'll get back at it later today. That's just wonderful. You are indeed a busy lady. Okay, so I, was I was just going to... Um I was, I was just going to ask, how, what do you do with the satsumas? You juice them. There you are, fresh satsuma juice for a whole year, probably. Um Ah, and Maggie is saying, also in doing show prep for the King Dude, I found a story that matched what Fiorella Files was talking about yesterday on kids and too many activities leading to poor mental health. Headline, to keep your kids mentally strong, stop the over-scheduling and let them play. Hooray! Do you know something that's just reminding me? Years ago, there was a Catholic school quite near to where I grew up, and it was Benedictine school. And the headmaster... The principal resigned. Uh, he, he just he went back into a parish. He left education because he said his words were children need time to stand and stare. He felt we were just processing children. They didn't have enough time to just be themselves, to just get on with things, to get used to their own company. He, he was absolutely on point there about overscheduling. And this was years ago. Um, Denise, I'm saying exactly why my homeschooling includes trips to a playground. Well, one of the things I love about uh, homeschooling is 
because the, the two of my children who I'm homeschooling are both very keen skaters. They just spend the first two to three hours of the day at the sports centre every day. And obviously, they the older one is doing very serious training. But the younger one, yes, she's training as well. But she also gets time to sit at the rinkside and chat with her friends and things like that and make up little routines and just do things which aren't being constantly monitored and assessed. Um APOC 813, good morning. Um, I'm, yes, I'm interested in this story this morning about a medieval ring. Somehow I just felt this would be the sort of story you would want me to share. A medieval love token ring was found over here uh, near a place called Frinton. And it's a wonderful find. It was found by a metal detectorist, you know, um, one of those finds of a lifetime. And it is, um, it has a, it's a late medieval ring. The reason they can date it quite accurately is because it has a motto in French, which was the language of courtly love. Translated, it means I desire to serve. Um, and of course, that's very courtly, really. Um, it really fits within that late medieval emphasis on serving. And the man serving the woman, interestingly, giving being her knight, offering his, pledging his troth and all of this. Yes, those rings could only have been engraved between 1400 and 1500. And it's a tiny ring. It fits on a woman's little finger but it was probably worn by a man because they used to wear rings on the, all the joints of their fingers. And it was found very close to another big find, a Tudor silver gilt hooked tag, uh, which was a sort of thing that women used to use to hook up their skirts. They had multiple layers of skirts. And almost certainly they belonged to the same person. So this was a ring that belonged to one of the elite because it would have been very expensive, but also you had to know French. And French was very much the language of the upper classes. So it's a beautiful find, very much battered and cracked. Um, and one wonders what happened to the person who lost them and why were they lost? But it's just made me wonder, I can't help asking the question, if you could give a love token to anyone, to your beloved, to your spouse, to your girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever it is, what would be the motto you would engrave on that ring? If you were to give a ring as a love gesture to your beloved, what would the motto be? Around the time when there was the papal visit uh, to Britain, when Benedict XVI, he came over to Britain and he, part of what he did, he, he did a number of things, uh, had a number of visits, met the Queen, all of the rest. But he was there specifically for the beatification of John Henry Newman. He went up to Birmingham. A lot of us went up to Birmingham. There's a huge event. And because of the beatification and all of the rest, a lot of Catholic couples were engraving on their wedding rings, Corad Cor Locutor, because that was the, the motto of John Henry Newman. Um, so I'm just wondering, what would be your motto? What beautiful motto would you engrave?
on a ring. I'd be tempted to put love's sweetest mark because that was something that uh, Robert Southall wrote. He was the Jesuit poet and martyr. I love his writings, but he talked about, well, he was talking about martyrdom, but it's got, it's got that sort of double meaning, giving everything. A lot of what he wrote could have been courtly love poetry, but actually it's, you know, um, it's got, it's got that sort of, there's this, this thread running through it. It's about love, but it's about the divine love, about the greatest love. So there we are. Just let me know. Um, could somebody please tell me what Bologna is? Is anyone going to tell me what Bologna is? Um, but since it is National Food Day, it is also a very important day today. It is Malta's Independence Day. This is the day in 1961 where... Uh, where Malta gained its independence completely peacefully from Britain. Malta had been self-governing since 1921, so it was actually quite a slow transition, um, which is why I think maybe we, we got off a little bit better than some other former colonies, uh, though we have had our, uh, our difficulties, should we say. So it is Malta Independence Day. So in honour of Malta Independence Day, never mind Bologna or whatever that is, um, it should be National Maltese Food Day. It should be National Timpana Day or National Pastizzi Day or National Satat Day. Um, we can give ourselves obesity-induced heart attacks too, you know. Uh, Maltese food is pretty high fat. It's very stodgy because it was made for people who were going out into the fields or going out fishing or going to work in the dockyards. It was, for, it was food to you know, fill the stomachs of usually very large, very poor families. But it's wonderful. Um, let's see, can anyone put... Can anyone put... Some pictures of Maltese food in the chat room. I will be amazed. Let's see if Dr. Torres can do it. I bet somebody can find pictures of timpana or pastizzi or whatever. Name that Maltese food. Put it in the chat room. I can't really post in the chat room and talk at the same time. Philip is saying Bologna is basically a giant hot dog. So not really food then. Not really food. Is anyone going to contradict me on this one? Is Bologna actually food? Uh, or should we say food fit for human consumption? Let me know. But Maltese food is just wonderful. So I think this is this is definitely a proper topic of the day. It is 20 minutes past the hour. You are listening to your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. The rain has finally stopped. It has been chucking it down with rain here. We've had Storm Babette battering the coast, uh, flooding parts of Scotland. They've actually had to evacuate some parts of Scotland um, because of the coastal areas because the flooding's been so bad. There's been at least one death. So prayers for, for Britain, but it seems to be clearing up. I see some blue sky through my window, enough blue sky to make Our Lady a mantle. So hopefully we will be all right. But yes, if you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. And we have been talking about it's National Bologna Day. And what I have discovered so far is it's basically a giant hot dog. So is it really food? It is also National Food Day. So I don't think anyone needs any excuses to put lots of pictures of food in the chat room. We've had a picture of food on a tree, satsumas. Um, and that's it so far. I'm challenging anyone to put some pictures of Maltese food in the chat room. If not, I shall bombard the chat room during the ad break. Um, 
the King Dude is saying, our Satsuma tree started as a little three foot tall sapling in 2009. Today she produces over 500 Satsumas a year. That's just wonderful. That's really, really beautiful. 500 Satsumas. Yes, you could make a lot of juice out of that. Philip, what is that? Is, is this a name that Maltese food thing? Is that Fennec? Am I looking at Fennec? Help. <laughs> Let me know. I am lost as usual. Yes, it is. It is Fennec. It is rabbit stew. Oh, well, yes. That, that, I, was, I was thinking about meat. Okay, it looks like meat to me. Therefore, it's got to be rabbit. Rabbit, by the way, fennec is the national dish, is Malta's national dish. Um, I found it really hilarious. When I was graduating, the Cambridge graduation robes for um, undergraduates, you, wear, you have a long black robe. Long black, you know, gown, academic gown, the, the same all over the world. But the hood part is rabbit fur. It's white fur. And I remember finding it so funny going to the outfitters and it was saying, we do not use real rabbit fur. We use synthetic fur here. No rabbit was harmed in the producing of these hoods. I was like, we eat them back home. So I, I don't understand why there was a problem with the fur. Uh, but there we go. Different sensibilities, I suppose. And it does look absolutely delicious. It really does. I haven't eaten rabbit in ages. It's not at all easy to get hold of over here. It's all the fault of the aristocracy, but rabbit was always the poor man's food. I think that is why, in fact, it's the national dish for Malta, because Malta was traditionally always a very poor country. Um, and it was always a poor man's food. But then the Enclosures Act happened in the 18th century. A lot of common land was claimed by landowners. They were allowed to just do a land grab, basically. That's what it was. So a lot of land that had been common land in the Middle Ages, and right up until that point, where anybody could graze their cattle, where anybody could um, lay traps for rabbits or whatever, or just go and enjoy the land, suddenly got taken by the aristocracy. And of course, a lot of poor people then had nothing to eat because they, they didn't have those easy sources of meat. And so rabbit then became... Um, it went from being a poor man's dish to being a rich man's dish. Jugged rabbit then became a delicacy. And I think that is one of the reasons why rabbit is just not really eaten in this country. Just It disappeared out of the diet. Dr. Torres, Philip up in, the, in here posting food before the bottom of the hour. What in the wide world of sports? It's National Food Day. It doesn't matter. There we go. Um, Philip saying rabbit is going for $20 per pound in the grocery store. This is the thing. I mean, I could probably get a hold of rabbit if I looked carefully enough, but it would be really expensive, which is ludicrous because rabbit's well, rabbits breed like rabbits. That You can get rabbit meat really quickly. During the war, it was actually a very common um, way for people to re rear their own meat because I think rabbits can have a litter every six weeks or something like that. Um, so people did go back to eating rabbits, certainly in the countryside. Uh, but no, I, I wouldn't spend whatever the equivalent is of $20 to buy some rabbit. I mean, it all tastes like chicken in the end. I hate to say it, but most meat tastes like chicken. No one has answered my question yet. If you were to give a ring to your beloved, what would be the motto? This is in honour of the story of a late medieval ring carved between 14 and 1500 that was found by a metal detectorist, every metal detectorist dream, and it has a, a beautiful little 
French motto engraved in it, which translates as I desire to serve. I desire to serve. Um, so it was obviously a very expensive ring. It was owned by an aristocrat because it's in French and French was the language of the ruling classes at the time. So what would be your love motto? Let's see if we can get really soppy first thing in the morning. Um, oh, Jacqueline, I just had more baby bunnies born today. There we are on the subject of food. That's lovely. Oh, can we have some pictures? Actually, I suppose if they've just been born, you probably want to keep the camera away from them because they, they just look like small sausages, don't they, when they're just born? Um, as I recall, Dr. Torres, it's Bugs Bunny and Porky Pig. Fiorella made me post it. Yes. I think I sort of did provoke that, didn't I? Well, it was a Porky Pig episode where he sings Kill the Wabbit to... Um, the, the ride of the Valkyrie. I was really upset by that as a child. He does kill the wabbit. And whenever I hear Wagner now, I still hear, kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit. Oh dear, it's terrible. It's a bit like when I, I listen to certain other forms of classical music, I think the, the overture to Die Fledermouse always makes me think of Tom in Tom and Jerry getting flattened by a bus because there's a whole Tom and Jerry cartoon to the soundtrack of the overture of Die Fledermouse. Um, Dr. Torres, no, hang on, sorry. Um, APOC 813, motto given to my love, make me a sandwich. Oh, that's so unromantic. Um, Dr. Torres, Porky Pig, that's not Porky Pig. Look again. Isn't it? Isn't that who he is? The, the one with the gun? It's Porky Pig with, um, with Bugs Bunny, isn't it? Oh. It's Elmer Fudd in that episode with the big bugs bunny. Oh, gosh, that's funny. So it's actually a person. Oh, no, it's not a pig, is it? It's not a pig, it's a person. Sorry, I'm blind. Okay, um, yeah, the whole time he's Elmer Fudd. Whoever Elmer Fudd was, sorry, I mistook you for a pig. Okay, right, there we are. Sorry, I stand corrected. Wasn't it usually Porky Pig? Or am, I, am I getting my cartoons muddled up? This is really confusing. It's a very long time since I watched any of this. And in fact, I couldn't really watch these cartoons with my children because one of my children, I shall not say who, was frightened of Yosemite Sam. Really frightened of Yosemite Sam. As soon as he came in, into, onto the screen, he, he'd run out of the room. It was always Elma. So where did P Perky, P Porky, Porky Pig, P P P P Porky Pig come from then? Oh, dear. Oh, my childhood has been shattered. I was sure it was Porky Pig versus versus uh, Bugs Bunny. That's really very distressing for me. Thank you. Okay. Do we have any advance on make me a sandwich as a love motto? Come on now. King dude, you're learning French. You're into all this chivalry stuff, aren't you? You think of something. Anyway, Porky had his own tune, according to Dr. Torres. Right. Okay. Um, I don't think I ever watched that then. I think I have always been watching Elmer thinking he was Porky. There we go. Um, Dr. Torres, Yosemite Sam in real life is known as the King Dude. <laughs> oh, we see, I just, <laughs> I wonder whether, I just wonder whether that particular stereotype just doesn't make much sense over here. Maybe... My children just didn't understand what, what man in cowboy hat with 
guns and things, you varmint. I don't think he even understood what he was saying. So maybe it was just not getting the stereotype at all and just seeing a sort of blob on the on the screen making a lot of noise. Aha, King Dude, we, oui, madame. Okay. Come on, we must have gone a bit beyond we, oui, madame. How long have you... J'étudie français. Okay. Um... Lady Bell, I mean, I'm rather partial to it. It's okay. I know what that's saying, even though you were talked to us in Quarizemal. Yes? Quarizemal. That's it. At least I think it is. Talk to is Latin. Okay, no, it isn't. It isn't what I thought it was. Okay. I thought you meant the Maltese sweets then, but I think you mean something else. Talk testing texting is a blessing and a curse, isn't it? Um but anyway, yes, on this day, it is Malta's Independence Day, hence why I am talking food, Maltese food, uh, rather a lot. Also, a medieval ring has been found, and <laughs> Captain Tom's family have blighted his memory. Um, this is one of those stories where it's one of those it was asking to happen almost, uh, but it just, it's so sad and such a shame. As some of you may remember, I think I talked about this at the time, during lockdown, in need of some inspiration, the the country turned to Captain Tom. Captain Tom, as the title suggests, was an old soldier. And he was 100 years old. And he decided to help raise money for the National Health Service by walking laps around the garden of his nursing home. And he meant to raise you know, £10,000 or something. He raised millions. For some reason, this just really captured the public imagination. There was dear old Captain Tom. He was a fighter when he was a young man. He's still a fighter, fighting the deadly covid and I think it was just that we all needed a feel-good story because everyone was really depressed. But he raised millions for the the health service and also just for all sorts of worthy causes. He wrote a memoir and his family then set up a charity in his name, the Captain Tom Foundation. Ah, uh, sorry, Lady Bell, I mean, it's Latin for, I thought Quarizimal is a Lenten sweet. I'm oh, sorry, I've got Maltese food on the brain. Caress me, sorry. Yes, beloved, okay. BD gear... Good morning, Denise M. I couldn't figure out how to make the chat bar come up to reply. Okay. Um, anyway, they set up this, this foundation and some rather unfortunate things have come out about the family. They used funds to build a home spa in their garden without planning permission. But the fact is... Um, the fact is that it's not so much the planning permission that's the problem. It's the fact that they were using foundation money to build their own home spa. And the charity has now been, the foundation has been closed down following um, an investigation by the charity commission. It seems that a lot of people have cashed in. Um, and it's just, it's really, it's cynical, it's nasty. And just to add insult to injury, Captain Tom's daughter has now gone public defending keeping all the proceeds from his memoir. He, she said, no, he, he wanted the £800,000 to go to her. He specifically said so. Even though the book starts with the words, well, let me just read it to you. 
Um, Astonishingly, at my age, with the offer to write this memoir, I've been given the chance to raise even more money for the charitable foundation now established in my name, which kind of suggests he thought that the money from the memoir was going to go to charity and the family have taken all of it. So this looks to me like a family. This looks to me like, like a family who have just cashed in on the easy money that was made, that was always intended for charity. I think it's really disgraceful, but I think it shows you have to be so careful with charitable foundations because let's face it, it must be a huge temptation. A huge amount of money comes your way. You can just see it, can't you? Anyway, we've got to go for an ad break. I've just noticed the time. Woohoo! You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella De Maria. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723 and the chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to me. Do join the conversation. The Early Show will continue in a few moments here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. organic cooking I always ask for more and they call me Mr. Natural on down to the health food store I only eat good sea salt white sugar don't touch my lips and my friends is always begging me to take them on macrobiotic trips yes they are all but night I take out my strong box that I keep under lock and key and I take it off to my closet where nobody else can see I open that door so slowly, take a peek up north and south. Then I pull out a hostess Twinkie and I pop it in my mouth. Good morning, all you early risers and insomniacs, and those of you catching the show's rebroadcast at midday. Those of you just joining us, you are listening to The Early Show with your hostess from across the pond, Fiorella de Maria. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to me as you enjoy a hearty breakfast, perhaps a full continental, pancakes, crumpets, muffins, Oh dear, croissants, pan au chocolat, I'm now really hungry. By the way, I delayed coming in just then because I had to know what the end of that verse was going to bring. I gather a Twinkie is something that has some sort of creamy filling inside, is that right? Uh, They don't really... Well, I think you can probably get them in some supermarkets now, but Twinkies, yes. That's something that someone who does organic food wouldn't do. That's the joke. Oh, Mike, how can you... Where do you even come out with these songs? I wonder if Mike in the studio has a sort of stash of really dreadful music. You know the way they all come in categories, you know, opera and stuff like that. Really dreadful music. And he just creeps over to the really dreadful music cabinet just before the intro and says, oh, this one looks fun. Um, 
Uh, Maggie's saying he should have played the Bologna song. Now, I'm just guessing because it is National Bologna Day. It is also National Food Day. And the question has been pertinently asked, does this mean that Bologna is not, in fact, food? I thought it was a city. My Bologna has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. My Bologna has a second <laughs> name. It's M-A-Y-E-R. Oh, I love to eat it every day. And if you ask me why, I'll say... Cause Oscar Mayer has a way with B L O G N A. <laughs> that's terrible. So that's what that's what Jacqueline was quoting in the chat room. I was thinking, what on earth is this? O S C A R. My Bologna has a second name. It's M A Y E R. What does this mean? Um, that that was the the jingle, was it? When you were growing up, and that is why you eat this stuff. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Um, thank you so much. That's going to go round and round my head all day now, King Dude. Thank you so much. Um, that was the song. I think if you'd started that as the intro music, I might have just hung up and gone and done something else. You could have done the replay. Um, I love to eat it every day. And if you ask me why, okay. Um, back to our... Right, where was I? We were talking about something other than Bologna and really, really terrible music. <sighs> yes. For those of you just joining the show, if you've missed the first segment, never fear, you can get the hold of the early show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. We've been talking about such lovely things as a late medieval love motto ring has been discovered over here by a metal detectorist. It has a motto in French inscribed in it, which means it is a very valuable ring and it was owned by a member of the ruling classes because French was the language of the ruling classes at the time. It had to have been made between 14 and 1500. So I asked, what lovely motto would you engrave upon a ring? All I've had so far is make me a sandwich. Could somebody help me with this? Oh, no, no, no we've, had, um, we've had the Latin for my beloved and we've had... Um, that's it, really. Um, the king dude hasn't got beyond we, madame, which you're not going to have engraved on a ring, are you? So any more ideas? Um, yes, it's... a. Uh, uh, Denise is saying, j'étudie français. You are also studying uh, French, Denise. This is great. The other story that has emerged... Oh, it is also Malta Independence Day, so everyone be very nice to me, please. And nobody yet... Oh, no, somebody posted Fennec in the chat room. I was challenging anybody to post a picture of Maltese food into the chat room. We have so far had Fennec, which is the Malta national dish. There has also been a bit of a scuffle over here because Captain Tom, who became a national treasure, a hundred-year-old man during lockdown, decided to walk laps up and down the garden of his nursing home with his Zimmer frame to raise money for National Health Service charities. He meant to raise probably about 10k and he ended up raising 38 million pounds for NHS charities together. It just captured the imagination somehow. We all needed a feel-good story. And here he was, a man from that fighting generation. Uh, and you know, we, we all sort of rallied behind him. Tragically, he then died of COVID, aged 100. And that kind of upset everybody. And, and we, we, we all got to feel like we knew him quite well. He became a bit of a kind of granddad figure. And there's a statue to him, you know, with thumbs up, tomorrow is a better day, which I think was his wartime motto or a wartime motto. And 
a foundation was set up in his name because all this money suddenly started pouring in. And unfortunately, um, since his death, it's been closed down pending an investigation by the Charities Commission because of mismanagement of money. Um, it's very distressing. It's His daughter was drawing an £85,000 a year salary, but also being paid thousands and thousands of pounds of expenses for things like appearances at charitable awards and things like that. She got paid about £18,000 on top of her salary um, to uh, to go and you know get awards on his behalf and things like that. It's stuff that you don't normally charge for beyond expenses. So it does look very much as though Captain Tom's family have decided to honour his memory by cashing in. He also made, or his foundation made, over £800,000 from the sale of his memoirs, which went directly to the family. And his daughter has said, look, the the books had nothing to do with the charitable foundation. It, they were his books. It was his money. He chose to give it to us. It feels a little bit dodgy because in his introduction, he talks about the books giving him the opportunity to raise even more money for charity. So I suppose that could be interpreted in a number of ways. They had already got into trouble for using charitable funds to build a home spa in their garden, which has since been um, it was denied retrospective planning permission and uh, will have to be demolished. Philip was saying the old captain needs to relax his muscles after all that walking. Yes, the poor old captain never got to enjoy it. Maybe his daughter needed to relax her muscles after all these um, all these appearances at charitable galas, which must have been a huge emotional strain for her. Um, I, it's, it's always a shame when these things go bad, but I almost wonder whether it's these these foundations set up by individual families, whether there isn't an element of temptation there, you know, for a family, suddenly £800,000 appears, you know, millions of pounds suddenly appear on the doorstep. It would be, I could imagine the temptation would be huge. It is still very, very wrong what they've done. They misuse that money and they abuse the trust of a good many people. Um, yes, Bologna songs, no more. The king dude is saying, if you hang up, I'll tell the exchequer. The exchequer? They're not interested in my money, I assure you. Um, Tom Connolly wants a fried Bologna sandwich. You fry it? I'm wondering, is this what we would call spam, in fact? No, APOC 813, next to the Monty Python spam song. I knew you were going to suggest something like that. Keep Monty Python away. I'm not a fan, though I have been told that the Holy Grail is probably worth probably worth watching. Philip is saying, fried bologna and cheese on Wonder Bread. Good grind. I don't know. Wonder Bread? What is Wonder Bread? Am I going to regret this? Aha! Is this, um, is this Timpana? Yes, it is Timpana. Do you guys eat this in water? We do. That does look a lot more neat and tidy than the Timpana I make, it has to be said. But yes, it's a wonderful dish. I tell you what, if you want a really sort of comfort food dinner, it's uh, you, you boil some pasta, preferably penne, uh, because it's, I don't know, it just seems to be a bit more solid. And then you make up a meat sauce. Um, I usually use minced beef, onions, carrots, but throw in whatever you've got. 
It's one of those sorts of meals to make the sauce. Then you mix the boiled pasta. You put, put it all into a big dish. And the sauce, and I usually mix some eggs in to bind it a little bit and some cheese, mix it all up, then put a layer of cheese on the top, an extra layer of cheese, and then some really nice thick short crust pastry to seal it all up with proper rounded crusts, really thick stodgy crusts mm -hmm. and maybe even some sesame seeds sprinkled on the top if you like you pop it in the oven and it is delicious it's really filling and really really delicious um so there you go um maggie saying looks like a carb coma awaits anyone who eats this it is very high in carbs maltese foods tend to be like that because as, as i was saying before because Malta traditionally was a very, very poor country. The emphasis tended to be on bulky food, you know, stodgy food that would fill fill you up and not cost very much. So timpana, something like rossil forn, which is a baked rice dish, again, a lot of rice, um, and you you then mix whatever meat and vegetables and things you've got with it, but the carb is the sort of main staple, and then you add whatever you've got. Um Dr. Torres is saying, how come the government never investigates itself for the mismanagement of my money? The gall of these hypocrites. Well, I don't know if you've ever watched the comedy Yes, Prime Minister, but there's um, it's a beautifully satirical sitcom. If you like British sitcoms, I think this Yes, Prime Minister is up there with the best. It was made in the 80s, and even though obviously the world has changed a great deal and the geopolitical situation has changed a great deal, it's still very edgy. It really, um, it really pokes fun at the corruption within government. It follows this really rather um, lacklustre prime minister called Jim Hacker, um, and he's completely ruled by the head of the civil service, Sir Humphrey. And you just see the the way the red tape gets used, and the way yeah, the way funds get mismanaged. It, it's really it's very very funny, but also very telling. Okay, Maggie is telling me Bologna is not spam. Okay, it is different to spam. Paul C saying fried bologna sandwich sounds great right now. Uh I don't know. You're not selling it to me somehow. I, th I think maybe, maybe I need to. Um, maybe I need to try. So okay, I think I think bologna is is what it is over here, isn't it? I've never come across bologna here either, but I'm thinking that's probably the most. If it's not spam, that is what it is most like. Okay, I will have to to just see what it looks like first. Um, Paul C says that timpana looks like a version of a pasty with pasta and cheese. It's more of a pie. Actually, that's a good close-up shot there that Maggie's got there. It is very much a pie. We do have an equivalent to pasties as well, and they're called pastizzi. And those are little puff pastry pasties full of either ricotta cheese or a sort of peas, sort of spicy peas. Um, they are incredibly fattening pastizzi, but they are quite, quite delicious. There it is, yeah. No, it's definitely not. Oh, there we are. Maggie's put. Um, and if you look at the pastizzi, the one that's shaped a bit like a shell, that's the pea one, piselli, and the other one, which is a bit more sort of oval, is pastizzi terracotta. There we are. I prefer ricotta myself. Um, and that is a pasty. Paul C, indeed. 
Um, do you know I couldn't eat Cornish because Cornish pasties are the proper pasty. You have to get Cornish pasties from Cornwall, preferably. Those are the the primordial pasty. I love a nice pasty. I must say I'm very, very fond of anything with pastry. I'm really fond of. But I couldn't eat pasties for ages after studying Titus Andronicus. If you have never read Shakespeare's Titus Andronicus, read Titus Andronicus and see if you can ever eat a pasty ever again. It contains what is, I think, my favourite stage direction of any Shakespeare play, Enter Messenger with Two Heads and a Hand. Yeah, it goes down from there. Um, that's the Northern European version. Yes, absolutely. Maggie, ah, in this looks to me like... It is brajoli. Oh, gosh, this is making me so hungry. Brajoli is great. It's a bit fiddly because you have to sort of stitch it together. Um, Dr. Torres says, who remembers pulling their Bologna from its red casing? You'd nibble the string just to make sure you got all your delicious processed meats. Or how about barbecued or smoked Bologna? Even better than fried Bologna. OK, I'm seeing a picture of it now. I'm getting a bit more of a sense of what it might look like. Um looks like German Roladin. Um, I've seen something similar to that, but I think it's um, a European thing, meat, sausage, yeah. Uh, oh, no, this is really good. Okay, Dr. Torres, what is this? What is this I'm looking at? Um, is, that, is that Bologna in a different shape or form to disguise the fact that it's a giant hot dog? It's huge. Bologna is huge. The slices, it's much bigger than I was expecting. Ah, Maggie. Sausages. Aha, there's a Maltese sausage. That's it. Maltese sausage is really quite spicy. It's it, The whole texture is very different from the sort of sausages I've had in Britain and in Northern Europe. Um, I hate to say it, though. People eat them raw. People eat them completely uncooked. My father used to, he'd get sunset and he'd... Um, He'd uh, he'd slit he'd slit open the the casing, uh, the skin, and he'd just smear the uh, the contents of the sausage uh, onto his bread, onto his hops, um, which I could never bring myself to do. Um, oh, that's spam and bologna on the um, on the grill. Okay, Maggie's saying that's nasty looking. I can't say it really is very appetising, and that I think. Is quarizimal again? It's so much neater than the stuff I make. Quarizimal is a Lenten sweet. They are biscuits basically, and they don't have any fat um, and very little sugar. Though someone pointed out to me that they're drenched in honey, and there is a thing called fructose. Um, but my nunna would not have known about that. And quarizimal is just—they're quite spicy as well. They've got a little bit of cinnamon and things. That for me is the taste of Lent. It's your, it's your one treat in, in Lent, is Quarizimal. Um, nasty looking? What's this? Oh dear, we're having an argument here. That was summer grilling when you grew up. Okay, Bologna and Spam grilling together. Oh my. Um, and Maggie, this is one of those, this is a wonderful dish. Anyone want to guess how you pronounce that before I tell you? Before I, that, that name that Maggie has written at the bottom. Anyone want to guess how you say it? <laughs> because the Maltese language is really has got some letters that are really difficult to say. It's coming up to the top of the hour. You are listening to the early show with your hostess Fiorella de Maria from 
A country ravaged by Storm Babette are recovering. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. And, oh, I should have told you this in the first segment as well. If you felt like pressing that lovely donate button, well, you know where it is. Um, just saying. We have been talking about, in no particular order, National Bologna Day. I have been educated into the joys of Oscar Mayer's Bologna and a really, really annoying jingle that's going round my head. And National Food Day in general, just proving that Bologna is not, in fact, food. Malta Independence Day. Therefore, there is a lot of Maltese food coming into the chat room. And a French love motto ring has been discovered dating back from somewhere between 14 and 1500. And I was asking what lovely love motto would you engrave upon a ring you were giving to your beloved? Um, we're quite uh, relaxed on the subject of love mottos, I've discovered. Get me a sandwich. Make me a sandwich is the only one we've had so far. Here we go. Right. Yes. Um, How do you pronounce those? the name for those beautiful treacle rings? Dr. Torres is saying Semitic, back of the throat, gobbledygook. Yes, that's about right. It's Atalasel. Q is a glottal stop. The GH in the middle is not pronounced, but it sort of is pronounced because you know it's there. Um, and that's it, really. Atalasel. And there's another kind of biscuit, which is spelled Q-A-Q-Q-A-Q. R-R. Yeah. Only for the brave. I mean, delicious and very straightforward to make, but only for the brave to ask for in a shop. Ah, oh, Maggie saying, what is this? This is, oh, how sweet. Figola. Yes, um, I do make those. Yes, Maggie, I do make those. And um, that is part of that. That's what we do. That's what we exchange at Easter instead of eggs. I mean, in fact, my children, we, we do eggs and figoli as well because, uh, well, because we're in England and they're used to the idea of Easter eggs. But figoli are delicious. I mean, really delicious for me. I, I look forward to them all the way through Lent. It's it's absolutely beautiful tradition, yes. Um, and the pastry, it's a, a sort of shortbread pastry with a very strong almond flavour. And it's you, you cut out these... Um, You, you, you can do any shape you like. People do all sorts of shapes. That's a, um, a little lamb there. But people do love hearts. People do um, figures of people and all sorts. Bunny rabbits, you name it. And to cut out two and you stick them together with almond paste or marzipan. And then you ice them and cover them with all sorts, little bits of chocolate and eggs and all the rest. And it's a wonderful tradition. So you bake them first. And then during Holy Week, you're making these things. So on Good Friday, usually, you're icing these beautiful figoli and you're absolutely starving looking at these wonderful, delicious treats. Um, and then they sit there and then you have them. Um, my children get pretty good Easter's because they get all the Maltese traditions, a quarizimal during Lent and then... And then um, Imaret on, on Good Friday and East and uh, Figoli on Easter Sunday, but they also have Easter eggs, they also have a Simnel cake, so they do pretty nicely. 
but it is a really beautiful tradition. It's one of the things I re- really, really enjoy. Um, and it's a bit more personal as well than Easter eggs because you're not just going out and buying something. You, know, you take all the trouble to make it and decorate it. Um, and particularly if you, if you know, say, that your your friend likes, you know, likes doves you make them a dove shaped one or if you, you know that they like rabbits you might make them a, a rabbit shaped one so it's it can be really a really special thing to do it takes takes a lot of time my aunt runs a sort of patisserie and she makes hundreds and hundreds of them every year a uh, really beautiful um the, the ones that are done professionally they're so artistic I and mean, mine are not nearly as attractive as that i usually get the children to just smother them in, in chocolate and stuff like that but yeah, it's a lovely family tradition, something you know, get all the children around the table icing them. Really, really beautiful. Um, anyway, oh gosh, that's made me feel all sort of warm and cosy thinking of happy traditions. We don't have as many Christmas traditions, in fact, now I think about it, because I think because liturgically Easter is so much more important. Easter, Lent and Easter were always it was always the big focus of the year. Um, whereas Christmas has become a much bigger thing in the West. So Almost all the Christmas traditions I'm thinking of, Maltese Christmas traditions, or we just had what what you probably have, you know, turkey and Christmas pudding and things like that. So um, it's um, the, the only thing that was really different. We did Father Christmas, or what you would call Santa, which we also call Santa. Whereas in Malta, you um, you wrote you wrote to Baby Jesus, to Jesu Bambin. Um, it was slightly different. Maybe that's, I don't know if that's also a Southern Italian tradition. So I love these traditions. I love being able to compare them a little bit. But yes, thank you so much for the um, discovery of Bologna. There we go. And it is true. Um, most of our food is, well, th- there are reasons why we have, um, why we have the biggest obesity problem in Europe, in Malta. It's not just the pastizzi, it's also the zero exercise. But there we go. Um Oh, this is terrible. Somebody, somebody raise the, hang on. Um, APOC 813, make me a sandwich is the winning romantic phrase. Somebody trump this, please. Someone else come up with a a winning, winning romantic motto. Quickly. We don't have long. We have like 10 minutes before crosstalk. I need to find a better motto than this. There we are. (laughs) Well, I tell you what. I think one of the reasons why we, we all loved Captain Tom was there was something beautiful. Um, There's there, there something really beautiful about someone that age, you know, 100 years old. I mean, very frail, but completely in possession of his mental faculties. Uh, so very, um, um, very charming. You know, it's. He, he was he was just a really wonderful personality. And there's just something about, you know, a person in his twilight years just being so inspirational i think that's why everyone feels a bit cheated um oh now there we are um some really lovely ideas are coming into the chat room now thank you maggie and denise denise saying always how's that sometimes that sometimes the most important messages are the the simplest aren't they are the shortest um maggie saying i never want to stop making memories with you or I'm much more when I'm with you. Come, this is lovely. Because is anybody else going to play? This is lovely. Let's, let's just come. On, let's keep it rolling, shall we? Um, but Captain Tom was not the only elderly person. What? 
a 4K one so it doesn't count if it comes from a woman cheating. It is true that these love tokens all came from men. All these um, claims of, of submission and of wanting to serve forever all came from men. Just, you know, oh, Paul C. Um Okay, Philip has said moi un sandwich. The sandwich is going to be really um, significant, isn't it? I can't escape. Paul C., you complete me with a sandwich. <sighs> oh, Louise, this is lovely. Um, I want to thank Fiorella, Denise, uh, Jacqueline and others in the chat room for your prayers for my brother Charles. On Friday, he came through heart surgery with flying colours. That is so wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing, Louise. And we continue to pray for his speedy recovery. I know it's, it's always a long convalescence after big surgery, so we're still praying very much for Charles and for you as well. Um, the King Dude is saying, OK, oh, Maggie, thanks, dear. I knew you liked me. Well, I hope this makes you feel suitably affirmed, King Dude. Maggie saying, here's one for my Crusader men. I love you more than... Pizza and tacos. Okay. Besides chocolate, you're my favourite. <laughs> I, I love you enough to give you my last Rolo. There was, you know, a bit like that Bologna skit earlier. There was a long-running advert, chocolate advert, in Britain. All the time I was growing up, I remember this. Rolos were, I don't know if you get them in the States, but they're little chocolates uh, filled with caramel. And you got them in a long tube. It was a big treat getting Rolos because you need to make them last. But it also meant you could share them. And the, the slogan was, do you love anyone enough to give them your last Rolo? So I think if we're going to have food in there, I think it was going to be, you know, I'd give you my last Rolo. And he'd know, if, if, if he was my age, he would know. Um I could eat a basket full of Rolos. Aha, so you do get them. Yes, uh, they're just that's that's one of those tastes of childhood Rolos. Denise M, I'm scheduled for total knee replacement on November the 10th. So lots of prep starting. Well, we'll start the prayers now. OK, um, I don't know. How, how are you feeling? I hope, I hope you're not nervous, are you? Just it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be fine. Um, I had to calm my daughter down. Just that they're all going through the dentist at the moment because they're all having orthodontic treatment and braces and things. It's, it's bad enough trying to calm them down just for that, just for the x-rays. But, you know, preparing for surgery can, can be a bit daunting. So we're all praying. Um, the King Dude is saying, daughter number two and I ate dozens of rolls of them when we were in Scotland in 2014. Aha, so no, you don't get them in the States, but you ate them when you were here. Yes, Rolos are great. Rolos are really, really worth, um, they're worth sharing. Um, but do I love anyone enough to give them my last Rolo? Oh, I think I probably could. Just about. There we are. So I think we, we're getting there with the love mottos. Anyway, I was saying, Captain, Captain Tom, we loved him because, you know, he's a hundred year old man making headlines. This was great. And for good reasons, really good reasons. Dorothy Hoffner, aged 104, has become the world's oldest skydiver. She jumped 13,500 feet with Skydive Chicago in Ottawa. And they think this makes her the oldest person ever to jump from a plane. Sadly... 
She died some days later. It had nothing to do with the skydive, I might add. They think she just died in her sleep. She's 104 years old. So she never found out if her jump had been confirmed. But there she is in the plane, thumbs up, looking incredibly relaxed for somebody who's about to throw themselves out of an aeroplane. And, you know, Dorothy, I think you are amazing. I think you are really, really amazing. I mean, Captain Tom loved the fact that he he wanted to do his bit for the country, but there is no way at any stage of my life that I would ever contemplate jumping out of an aeroplane. So, well done. And I do hope it does get properly confirmed in the Guinness Book of Records. I'm so sorry, Dorothy, that you never lived to see it confirmed. 104. Oh, the inadequacy I'm feeling. Philip saying, yes, we do get Rolos here in the States. They are yummy. Yes, Dr. Torres too. Jeffy Mann, I buy Rolos occasionally from the grocery store in Michigan. Oh, Denise, I'm totally nervous. Joint class today. Well, you know, it's, it's completely normal to be nervous. And C.S. Lewis used to talk about surgery as one of the, the times in which we need to trust a higher authority. And he talked about how, you know, you, you know that you're, it's going to be fine. You know, the doctors know what they're doing. And yet, once you're in the anaesthetics room, panic starts to set in. Um, so I think if C.S. Lewis had his, had his moments of panic, I think everyone's allowed their moments of panic. Um, but yes, last time I had surgery, I had the most relaxing, one of these anaesthetists who was terribly, terribly relaxed. I said, this wonderful bedside man, nothing to worry about. Let me just give you something now to make you relax a little bit. So there we are, night, night, off we go. Um, and that I, I was just, I was out for the count and it was somebody else's problem. So yes, of course you're going to be nervous, but you're going to be fine and we'll all be praying. November the 10th, everybody put it in the diary, please. And you love Rolos. Yes, we all love Rolos. There we are. Something we're in complete agreement about. I'm not sure we're in agreement about Bologna. I'm, I think we have some dissenting voices, including possibly mine. Um, but I think we're all in agreement about Rolos. Would you do a skydive? Would you do something? I mean, it, as age starts to, you know, make itself felt, there's a question. Okay. What crazy thing would you like to do before you snuff it? What what crazy, is there something you've ever really wanted, really wanted to do that you might consider doing? Yes, um, yeah, Denise, um, you're right. I remind myself to pray, hope and don't worry. Absolutely, Philip. I find anaesthesia very relaxing too. Sorry, can I just clarify that when I said the anaesthetist made me relax by giving me anaesthetic? He actually gave me a sedative first just to help me to relax a bit while... They were, you know, they were getting everything ready. But in fact, the sedative was so powerful, I just found myself drifting away on fluffy clouds. And I didn't mind. I barely noticed the anaesthetic being administered. And, and I just floated away very happy. And I woke up in recovery, incredibly comfortable because they'd got the pain control right. And um, I spent most of my time in the recovery room chatting away to a, a lovely Filipino nurse who was about to get married and was asking for advice. I don't know, in fact, how good the advice was that I gave because I can't remember very much of the conversation, but I do remember it was all very nice. Um, Paul C. will pray for successful surgery. You'll be running a half marathon by this time next year. Don't you worry about a thing. So, gosh, the things we have talked about today. We have talked about Bologna a lot. 
Do you, can I just point out, since, you know, if we're going to have to talk about, about food that we're not even sure if it's food or not, can I just tell you, before we go to crosstalk, Bologna, something else you might want to know about. Bologna is named after a city in Italy. And the University of Bologna is the second oldest university still in existence in the world. It was founded in 1088. It was also the university that appointed the first ever female professor. Mike, are you there? Ah, we couldn't do crosstalk yesterday because we had technical issues, but I'm not sure exactly what happened, but it's all sorted out. Um, Louise is saying, uh, Denise, I know a couple of people who had knee replacement and it went very well. We'll be praying for you. Do I think most figure skaters have to have knee replacements by the time they're 30? And they seem to be walking around afterwards. So, Mike, are you going to join? You're eating a Bologna sandwich, aren't you, Mike? Or you're quietly engraving a lovely motto in a ring for your beloved, which you are going to give her on air. Wrong on all accounts. <laughs> you're fast asleep. Okay, I knew it. <laughs> Wrong on all accounts. <laughs> Well, what were you doing then? It just takes him a while. Well, uh, because of the uh, because of the injury to my lower back, I have to. I can only hobble around. So oh. normally, where I would be spry and just hop on the other side and get Maggie to clip on my uh, the cord to my earbud, so I don't sit on it and have it pop out of my ears. Uh, she had to wobble over here and actually do it today. So. <laughs> Okay. Oh, the takes delay. You <laughs> yes. Okay. It's an injury right. timeout. Oh, I think that's allowed. Okay. <laughs> yes, I've had Rolos, but only you in England. They have yeah, they're lovely. They're just the, the, that that particular <laughs> slogan. Do you love anyone enough to give them your last roller? It went on and on. All these advertising campaigns. I think I've seen uh, Rolos here. I think we have them. Yes. Yeah, people have said that in the chat room that they eat them. So. Great. I don't it's remember. Yeah, I don't remember uh, how or why uh, that we got introduced to uh, to to Rolos when we were in Scotland, but um, that to me is the perfect little chocolate treat. Mm. You get your chocolate, you get your your caramel. It's gooey. It's chewy. It's just it's yep. delicious. You don't like them? It is wonderful. Oh, I love them. No, they're, they're a wonderful treat for children so because was that what was resorts. on your daughter's cake? Were they Rolos? No, those were Reese's. Um, oh, okay. Uh, right. Yes, um, just because there's a there's a shop near us that sells American sweets, and we thought we'd try a few. So, because uh, they look very similar without the ridges. Yes, the Reese's had and, the ridges. Yeah, and tastes completely different, of course. But yes, um, right, because uh, Reese's has salt and peanut butter in it, and Rolo doesn't. No, it's, it's very sweet, Rolos. Um, I mean, I might, I don't know, I might even find them too sweet now. There's a thought. <laughs> Bologna, uh, is it, you say Bologna. I, I've always, uh, I thought the Italians pronounced it Bologna. No, it's Bologna. Bologna. Okay, yeah. well, that's a region. That's just like Genoa yes. and Milan yeah. and Florence. And so you probably get a lot more food out of Bologna uh, than just the, the ham variety uh, that comes in a round roll here. Well, Bolognese. Yeah. Spaghetti Bologna. Well, there's there, there's a lot of cheeses. Yeah. From Bologna. Mm, but you know, spaghetti Bolognese is what most people think of when they think of Italian food, and that obviously is from Bologna. Uh, if you considered hosting a cooking show, 
Well, I, I think it's a wonderful thing to it's a wonderful thing to talk about. It just can't go wrong. Um, I, can you really can you do a cooking show on the radio though? Um, well, I'm I've done brief cooking shows. I've given some instructions. Uh, the only problem with doing it on on the on the on the radio is uh, you need the picture. So if you have a chat room yeah. like we have, then yeah, you could probably do it through the chat room. Yes, I suppose. It's, I think people expect to see you cooking the thing, don't they? You know. Well, the Food Network has ruined that for everyone. Um, <laughs> but there used to be, uh, they probably still have it, here on the um, on uh, WWL, which is the big AM uh, news talk radio station in New Orleans. First through two or three hours of every Saturday is a cooking show. Uh-huh. Well, it's that a cooking wonderful. show. There's a, there's a, there's, there's, there is Outdoors with Don Dubuque. And this time of year, he'll probably be talking about where the best uh, fall fishing. And then the next week, he'll do hunting is. And then there is, yeah, there's a cooking show, and they do recipes. And then they just, they just talk about the, the, the food in general, because there's a lot more to cooking than just the instructions on the recipe. I like, the, uh, uh, for example, I like reading Alton Brown's recipes. Because before he gets into the recipe, he gives you the history, uh, if there is any, of, of, of the dish or the primary ingredient. And tells you, you know, where they first started making it at, where they make it today, what it's made of, etc., etc. That's the fun part of cooking, if you ask me. Mm. Well, you can these days. I mean, it's almost too much. If you look up a recipe online, there's usually about, you have to scroll down for about five minutes to get through all the history. And why the ingredients are great. Um, so you, you don't like the history? Well, I like the history, but it's one thing watching a program and getting the history of the, the dish. I really quite like that. But you know, if I'm quickly looking up a recipe, ah. so I'm in a hurry. It's like, no, no, I don't need to know the importance of all these ingredients. I don't need to know why you love these ingredients. Just <laughs> give me the recipe. <laughs> I've got a hungry family so, to feed. So you want Richard Simmons's deal-a-meal cards? What are those? Oh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, you don't want to know. Look it up, and or somebody will post it in the chat room. Uh, you would say that oh, this is positively dreadful recipe cards. Oh, he was. You, you, okay, you probably <laughs> have seen him in some movies or or parodies of him. He used to. He's got red, curly, very long, bushy hair. He's a little skinny guy in a in a in a red tank top. And pink and red striped shorts. That's the first. If he's skinny, then never never trust a skinny chef. And he does Richard Simmons. Okay, cooking with Richard Simmons. We're gonna dial a meal today. Today, I'm seriously. If I were to play you audio of Richard Simmons, that's what he sounds like. Right. It would drive me crazy. Uh, he he's been in so many. uh, He was in a lot of uh, late '80s and through the '90s movies. Where they well, like Eddie Murphy loved Eddie Murphy does a really good Richard Simmons. Right. Okay. There, there he is. I'm, there he is. Maggie found. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Eddie Murphy goes white okay. face. No, Eddie Murphy goes white face and does Richard Simmons. It's hysterical when he does it. That's really funny. Yeah, he okay. Used, yes. He used to do it. He used to do uh, uh, Richard Simmons on Saturday Night Live. Right. And okay. the, and then in um uh, uh, I want to say that he did Richard Simmons 
in one of the movies that he was in with Arsenio Hall. Um, yeah, but he had Richard Simmons's de uh, deal meal. He had the, the the deck of cards where you 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 know you do your do your, you do yourself three cards a day, and those are your three meals. So what is it? Is it like is it, is it a diet plan basically? Is that what it is? He's a workout guy. Come on, everybody, let's go. He was doing aerobics before they called it aerobics. Okay. Um. But I mean, this dealer meal thing. Wh wh how is it supposed to work? Is it supposed to be like a? Is is it like a diet plan? Oh, I can't. I don't remember. <laughs> I really don't remember. I don't think I ever had a deck of dealer meal cards. Thank the Lord. Right. <laughs> oh, it's a fun idea. I'll, I'll have to look him up now. <laughs> no, I don't think no. you. No, no. I think I think you're. I, I think don't you're just. I think you're don't just, waste my time. Okay, got it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think you're, you're, you're fine. Uh, we're supposed to have a soup. There it is. There it is. Richard Simmons deal a meal. Oh, looks awful. It's terrible. It's terrible. Oh. <laughs> um, now, is saying that we're supposed to have a super duper Powerful Arctic blast. It's going to come down uh, on the western and northern part uh, and in, across, I guess, New England. A uh, big, uh, big cold blast um, coming in, the, I guess, in the next couple of days here. Uh, we haven't had – we are still suffering here in the southern United States. Um, we are still suffering under the effects, the long-term effects of the Honga Tonka Honga Tai uh, volcanic eruption in January of 20. Let's see, January of this year, uh, and most people don't you know, don't even know about it. Uh, but the drought still persists, and you, and if you look at the satellite imagery, we are right under the water vapor cloud. So what happened was. Is this volcano exploded? It is south and south to the west of the island of Fiji or the Fiji Islands. You know the crew. Yeah, there's a cooking show and they do recipes and then they just they just talk about the the, the food in general because there's a lot more to cooking than just the instructions on the recipe. I like that. Uh, uh, for example, I like reading Alton Brown's recipes. Because before he gets into the recipe, he gives you the history, uh, if there is any, of, of, of the dish or the primary ingredient. And tells you, you know, where they first started making it, where they make it today, what it's made of, etc., etc. That's the fun part of cooking, if you ask me. Mm. Well, you can these days. I mean, it's almost too much. If you look up a recipe online, there's usually about, you have to scroll down for about five minutes to get through all the history. And why the ingredients are great. Um, so you, you don't like the history? Well, I like the history, but it's one thing watching a program and getting the history of the, the dish. I really quite like that. But you know, if I'm quickly looking up a recipe, ah. so I'm in a hurry. It's like, no, no, I don't need to know the importance of all these ingredients. I don't need to know why you love these ingredients. <laughs> Just give me the recipe. <laughs> I've got a hungry family so, to feed. So you want Richard Simmons's deal-a-meal cards? What are those? Oh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, you don't want to know. Look it up, and or somebody will post it in the chat room. Uh, you would say that oh, this is supposed positively dreadful recipe cards. Oh, he was. Okay, you probably <laughs> have seen him in some movies or or parodies of him. He used to. He's got red, curly, very long, bushy hair. He's a little skinny guy in a in a in a red tank top. 
and pink and red striped shorts. That's the first. If he's skinny, then n never never trust a skinny chef. And he does Richard Simmons. It's cooking, cooking with Richard Simmons. We're gonna dial a meal today. Today, I'm seriously. If I were to play you audio of Richard Simmons, that's what he sounds like. Right. It would drive me crazy. Uh, the, he he's been in so many. Uh, he was in a lot of uh, late '80s and through the '90s movies where they well, like Eddie Murphy loved. Eddie Murphy does a really good Richard Simmons. Right. Okay. There, there he is. There he is, Maggie. Found <laughs> okay. Okay, so Eddie Murphy goes white okay. face. No, Eddie Murphy goes white face and does Richard Simmons. It's hysterical when he does it. That's really funny. Yeah, he okay, used, yes. He used to do it. He used to do uh, uh, Richard Simmons on Saturday Night Live. Right. And, okay. the, and then in, um, uh, uh, I want to say that he did Richard Simmons in one of the movies that he was in with Arsenio Hall. Um, yeah, but he had Richard Simmons's de uh, deal meal. He had the, the the deck of cards where you 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 know you do your do your, you do yourself three cards a day, and those are your three meals. So what is it, you, is it? Is it like is it is it a diet plan basically? Is that what it is? He's a workout guy. Come on, everybody, let's go. He was doing aerobics before they called it aerobics. Okay. Um. But I mean, this dealer meal thing. Wh wh how is it supposed to work? Is it supposed to be like a? Is, is it like a diet plan? Oh, I can't. I don't remember. <laughs> I really don't remember. I don't think I ever had a deck of dealer meal cards. Thank the Lord. Right. <laughs> oh, it's a fun idea. I'll, I'll have to look him up now. <laughs> no, I don't think. No, you, no, no. I think. I think you're. I, I think don't you're just. I think you're don't waste just, my time. Okay, got it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think you're, you're, you're fine. Uh, we're supposed to have a soup. There it is. There it is. Richard Simmons deal a meal. Oh, looks awful. It's terrible. It's terrible. Oh. <laughs> um, now, Caesar is saying that we're supposed to have a super duper powerful arctic blast it's going to come down uh on the western and northern part uh and in, across i guess new england a uh, big a uh, big cold blast um coming in the i guess in the next couple of days here uh, we haven't had we are still suffering here in the southern united states um, we are still suffering under the effects, the long-term effects of the Honga Tonka Honga Tai uh, volcanic eruption in January of twenty. Let's see, January of this year, uh, and most people don't you know, don't even know about it. Uh, but the drought still persists, and you, and if you look at the satellite imagery, we are right under the water vapor cloud. So what happened was, is this volcano exploded? It is south and south to the west. Of uh, the island of Fiji or the Fiji Islands, you know. Um, uh, but no, there, there's nothing that can be done. The, the, only, the only thing that can be done is see what happens is so the salt water is heavier than the fresh water. So what they did was, in case this would ever happen, they, they, they basically built a small a dam across the riverbed of the Mississippi River. And they call it, it's called an intrusion dam. And they estimate where they think if the salt water ever did come up, what, what, what the what the uh, water level would be 
So uh, you basically build a dam and you leave like 75 feet above the dam is for the fresh water to go over and the dam is supposed to catch the salt water. But because the table is lower, they missed the call on the level of the water. So the salt water is going over the dam. And that's a problem. So that's why they're getting sure. salt water in the drinking water. That's big. It's a big deal. Sure. People don't know this. The capital city of Mississippi, the state of Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, does not have drinking water. Whoa. 170,000 people live in that modern western city, and they do not have a source for drinking water. They have potable water. But mm -hmm. their wastewater treatment plants are all fried because the Democrats that ran the city squandered all the money, and they did no maintenance on the thing since they built it in the 19, uh, in 1950s, and it just quit working one day. And the mayor, mm -hmm. and they had to come out and they go, oh, so how long for the repair? And the mayor goes, uh, 12 to 14 years. Well. <laughs> so <Yeah>. the, Western, <laughs> the Western world has its share of second world problems, it seems. In any event, uh, we uh, uh, hopefully uh, we will see you tomorrow. Yes, indeed. Um, that will be lovely. I'm going to go a on a quest to see if I can find some Rolos today. Go and get some Rolos. Go <laughs> on. Um, I, I'll go and find... So, not Bologna. Bologna? Bologna? What do you call it? Uh, 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 we Bologna? call it Bologna. It's called Bologna. People will say Bologna, but it's... Okay. Right, right. Bologna. Bologna. All right, then. Okay, it is half past the hour. You are, have been listening to The Early Show. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the show all the way from cool but sunny England. Don't forget to write to me at fiorella at crusadechannel.com. And the chat room is open for your commentary and your pictures of food at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. I will now leave you with the King Dude, Mike Church himself. You're listening to The Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be.